Why did the banana eat the apple? Why? Because he was hungry. <laughs> See, that's a lame joke. <laughs> Need a better joke. What are the cheese one? That was not so lame. Oh yeah. Um, what do you what do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. Welcome to NPR's Planet Money. Today is Tuesday, March 23rd, and I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. I'm Jacob Goldstein. I'm the new guy. Very excited to be hosting my first ever podcast. I'm Planet Money's blogger. And that was nine-year-old Lev and his babysitter, who doesn't have health insurance, you heard. They were telling lame jokes in Brooklyn. We'll have more from them in a minute. (laughs) Not more lame jokes, but we will hear more on the health insurance part. That's what our show is about today. First, Jacob, you get to deliver your very first Planet Money Indicator. Seven. I see you're a paper-shaking guy. Okay, the number seven. That is the number of months since August 2009, the month that President Barack Obama said he wanted a health care bill on his desk. Today, seven months later, he got it. Ah, yes. August 2009. (laughs) You have a dreamy look in your eyes. It was all health reform (laughs) all the time, Hannah. For me at the Wall Street Journal, for you at Planet Money. That's true. But, you know, at some point along the way, the story turned away from being ideas about health care, and it turned into just this Washington politics process story. So for a while now, it's just been Republicans yelling that we're about to bankrupt the country and Democrats yelling that we're going to solve the cost problem. But so now we have a bill, and it turns out it does neither of those things. No, it doesn't. But it does do some other things. A big thing, probably the biggest thing, has to do with that uninsured guy telling the jokes at the top. And that nine-year-old Lev, he's going to introduce him. This is my babysitter, Dave. I well, I didn't think we were going to call babysitter. It's like yeah. man friend. Man friend. Um, <laughs> what is he called? Like, like... Guardian? Someone, yeah. Dude? The, the lookout dude? The homework <laughs> guy? I don't know. What is it? I'm going to go with man friend. Okay, Jacob, you're the new guy. We'll go with man friend. He's also known as Dave Miss. And on top of being Lev's man friend, Dave also works at a local cafe. So he drops Lev off at soccer practice and then transforms from man friend to cook. And today he has to pick up a lot of meat. Hey, I'm the guy from K-Dog with the ground turkey. I come. Do, do you guys have the... Yeah, yeah. Do you have 40 pounds? Thanks. Dave, good to see you again. So Dave wheels his ground turkey out of the cafe, and tomorrow Dave is actually going to be gardening for some people he knows. He also happens to help out a friend as another job working at a B&B. Okay, so that's man friend, gardener, cook. B&B. B&B, right. And he's also actually a graphic designer. That's what he's right. trained Right, graphic at. designer. So that's five jobs. Exactly. So I'm going to ask you a leading question because I already sure. know the answer. Who gives you health insurance of those five jobs? Let me let me go through that really <laughs> quick. Um, nobody. <laughs> the Freelancers Union, which is, uh, you know, could potentially be my insurer. You know, they're, for someone like me, in generally pretty good health, it's about $200 a month. So, but still, that's... That's $200 a month of really, really basic coverage. So do you want to spend that instead of spending on my rent or whatever else is going on? It's like it's a really hard call, generally speaking. And the call that Dave Miss has made up until now is no, he is not going to buy health insurance. 
But that may change. The legislation the House just passed will cover millions of people like Dave starting in 2014. So this is really the big headline. Like if you ask, what does the bill do? It expands coverage to millions of people. And it it basically does this in two ways. There are people like Dave, this is the first way, who don't have insurance right now. um, And the bill is going to give people like Dave subsidies to help them pay for insurance. So right now, between Dave's five jobs, he makes about $30,000 a year. The legislation would give Dave a big subsidy to buy health insurance. And Dave would still have to put up some of the money on his own. There'd be like a sliding scale of how much. In Dave's case, he'd be paying about 8% of his income toward coverage, and then he'd get a subsidy for the rest. But now under the bill, if he still chooses not to buy insurance, he'll have to pay a penalty of several hundred dollars a year. That's less than he'd have to pay for insurance, but then again, he'd be paying hundreds of dollars to remain uninsured. <laughs> right. So he'll have to work out that equation. And then, you know, this, the expansion of coverage, there's a second group of people who get insurance, poor people. So the bill expands the number of people who qualify for Medicaid. That's the government's insurance program for the poor. So We've got more poor people covered by Medicare and more Daves who will get help to go out and buy insurance on their own. Now, buying insurance on your own when your boss doesn't cover it, that isn't easy. Those of you who've ever tried to do this know already. If you followed our healthcare stories, you may remember this. Hi, Mary. This is Cindy Hartsburg with Health Plan One Calling. How are you today? Cindy works on behalf of health insurance companies in an office in Connecticut. And the way that insurance coverage works right now for people like Dave who don't have insurance, you know, through his job, through his employer, they call someone like Cindy. And her job is to figure out what health problems the person on the line has. So almost everyone who calls Cindy has some health problem. Mary, the person calling right now, her particular problem happens to be fibromyalgia. Unfortunately, Mary, based on um, the different carriers that we represent, uh, the condition that you have is considered high risk, and it's an automatic denial for coverage. Okay. Sorry, I wasn't able to assist you. Bye-bye. In Cindy's office, these are called pre-Xs, as in pre-existing conditions. And right now, insurance companies often refuse to sell insurance to people like Mary with pre-exes. And we're not just talking about fibromyalgia. You may also be denied for depression, migraines, AIDS, obesity, asthma, pregnancy. Pregnancy is a big one. Right, pregnancy. There's a long list. Heart disease, sleep apnea, cancers, lupus. If someone's insulin diabetic, cholesterol, back problems. Pre-exes, they're gone now. After 2014, insurance companies will no longer be able to deny people like Mary for pre-existing conditions. So we've got Dave and the millions of Daves out there who are relatively healthy who will now be covered. And we've got people like Mary who are less healthy. We also have to cover them. So that's a lot of new spending, a lot of money. And part of the idea here is if you get people like Dave, who are relatively healthy, into the mix and his premium payments, they can sort of help balance out Mary, who, with her fibromyalgia, will probably cost the insurance company more. But regardless, getting lots more people covered is going to cost the government money, about $940 billion over 10 years. So how are we going to pay for it? Jacob, it is your job to help us understand that. You brought some tools into the studio. You've got a a stack of papers right there. Very nice. And you also have a, a paycheck. 
Yes, my paycheck. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, the stack is the Congressional Budget Office report that explains how the money works in this whole thing. Luckily, you do not all have to read it because, Jacob, you have. So let's let's just walk through some of the big ways that we're going to cover that $940 billion number. Okay. So my paycheck and your paycheck. You know that line on the paycheck that says FICA? Maybe you don't, but it's there. FICA stands for the Federal Insurance Contributions Act. And if you make $200,000 a year or more, or if you're married and you and your spouse make $250,000 a year or more, your FICA payment is going to go up. Now, I'll tell you the truth. My FICA payment is not going to go up, but that's beside the point. For those people whose FICA payment is going to go up, it's going to mean more money. And for the government, it's going to mean an extra $210 billion over the next 10 years. Okay. So $210 billion will come basically from wealthy people who are going to pay more to cover the Daves and the Marys. So that's one thing. Yes. Uh, then there's insurance companies, the drug companies, medical device companies. They're going to pay about $107 billion in new fees over 10 years. Which is maybe okay because they're going to have more than 30 million new customers. Right. And the CBO report also describes some savings that are supposed to come out of this bill. Uh, for one thing, the government is going to slow the increases in Medicare payments to hospitals. That's supposed to save about $150 billion. So the hospitals will be getting less in payments, but they also theoretically have more customers, right? They're going to get all the Daves and Marys that are now covered. That's the bulk of it. But I'm afraid we're not going to get out of this without talking about the Cadillac tax. The Cadillac tax. Yes, we have talked about the Cadillac tax on the show before. That's the tax on expensive health benefits. Um, you heard about it here, actually, from a woman named Valerie Castle Stanley. She's an AT&T worker in southwestern Virginia. She's also a union member. And she's appeared in some union ads against the Cadillac tax. And here we're going to play just one of those union ads. I have asthma, and I've had it since I was um, probably 10, 12 years old, and it seems to be progressively getting worse. My union bargained great benefits for my family and I, but it's still tough. I pay over $1,500 a year for my medications, and I need those medications to live. When I heard some senators wanted to tax their health care benefits, I just couldn't believe it. I support health care reform, but I, I can't afford that. It's going to affect me monthly. I'm on a budget, and it's just going to be terrible. So unfortunately for Valerie, the Cadillac tax is in the new legislation. It's a more watered-down version than what was originally proposed when Valerie went on these ads, and the unions have negotiated changes. The tax is going to kick in later and will apply to fewer workers, but it is in there. And it'll work like this. People like Valerie, who have expensive insurance benefits, her employer pays more than $27,000 to cover her and her family. Because of that, her benefits are going to be taxed. Economists generally like this tax. They say people with expensive health plans spend more on health care without necessarily getting better care. And a tax will discourage employers like AT&T from buying those expensive health plans. And people like Valerie hate this idea. Her union has negotiated better benefits for her over the years, and she's given up higher wages for that. So let's review. 32 million people like Dave with the five jobs and Mary with the fibromyalgia, they now have insurance. 
Not only that, but they have to get insurance or pay a penalty. We're going to pay for all those new people through taxing expensive benefits, taxing wealthy people, insurance companies, drug makers, and by spending less on Medicare, on hospital payments. So are we bankrupting the country tomorrow? No. Are we fixing healthcare spending problem? No. We're basically creating a bunch of new costs and then coming up with ways to pay for those costs. One thing that's interesting, when I think back to a lot of the coverage from last year, everybody was talking about health care costs and particularly this issue of overtreatment. Yeah. I mean, when we started looking into this last fall, and Jacob, you've been watching it for much longer than that, the idea, the thing everyone was talking about was overuse, that we have a system that encourages overuse. So, Jacob, you and I have insurance, so we don't see how much anything costs. And our doctors get paid for each and everything they do, each and every exam and surgery and appointment. So they have an incentive to do more exams and appointments and surgeries. And everyone was talking about if we could deal with the overtreatment problem, we could save 30 percent in healthcare spending. But we're not going to deal with that overtreatment problem anytime real soon, to, to judge from the bill. Uh, there are a few things in there that start to address this issue. There's a pilot program that looks at bundling payments rather than paying doctors for every service. But the bottom line really is that we're covering a whole bunch of new people, raising a bunch of money to do it, but not dealing with this core cost problem, or not yet anyway. All right. Jacob, you made it through your first podcast. I think that does it for us today. Thanks, Hannah. I'm going back to the blog cave now. You're welcome to join me there, npr.org slash money. You can also email us at planetmoney at npr.org. I'm Jacob Goldstein. And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.